You don't mind if I have a cookie, do you? It is Christmas. I was just thinking how thankful I am to the to the search team. Amanda, Gracie, Nick, Peg, and all the elders. Pardon? Oh, that's right. Ray, yes. <laughs> thankful to them. And especially thankful for Dave. He just... Dave did so much work in meeting with Alex and emails and talking to John, Rich, and just so thankful for their work. And then... John Palpant and Garth and Don figuring out all the numbers. Well, I sat there thinking, well, I'm glad they know about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Very thankful. I'd like you uh, to come along with me to Nazareth and Bethlehem this morning and see what Christmas looked like through the eyes of Joseph. The owner of the inn had awakened earlier than most in the town. After all, the inn was full. All the beds were taken. Every available mat or blanket had been put to use. Soon all the customers would be stirring and there would be lots of work to do. The bread had to be made. Morning chores had to be done. There was too much to do to imagine that the impossible had occurred. God had entered the world as a baby. And yet on the outskirts of Bethlehem that morning, what a peculiar scene they would behold. The stable stinks like all stables do. The stench of urine, dung, sheep reeks pungently in the air. The ground is hard, the hay scarce, cobwebs cling to the ceiling, and a mouse scurries across the dirt floor. A more lowly place of birth could not exist. How low are you this morning? The wonder of Christmas is that God could take a baby born in these conditions and as we sang this morning, make him King of Kings and Lord of Lords who will reign forever and ever. He could lift you up, too. Can you see the shepherds sitting off to the side in amazement? Their night watch had been interrupted by an explosion of angels, of light from heaven and a symphony of angels. Near the young mother, can you see the weary father? Now that the excitement has subsided, now that Mary and the baby are comfortable... He leans against the wall of the stable and feels his eyes getting heavy. 
The mystery of the event puzzles him. As sleep comes, he remembers the name the angel told him to use, Jesus. Mary looks into the face of the baby, her son, her Lord, his majesty. At this point in history, the human being who best understands who God is and what he is doing is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. Somehow she knows she is holding God. He looks like anything but a king. His face is prunish and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless, piercing cry of a baby. And he is absolutely dependent upon Mary for his well-being. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. His golden throne room had been abandoned in favor of a dirty sheep pen. Worshiping angels had been replaced by bewildered shepherds. Do you remember how this adventure began? So, remember, Isaiah said that a virgin would conceive and would give birth to a son who will be called Emmanuel. And the prophet Micah told us that the ruler of Israel will come from Bethlehem. And so, at just the right time, God sent the angel, Gabriel, to a teenager, Mary, living in Bethlehem, I mean living in Nazareth, a small town near the Sea of Galilee, And we all know at that time she was engaged to a young man, Joseph. The angel told Mary not to be afraid, but God had chosen her to be pregnant with a son whom she should name Jesus. The angel said her son will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be a king like David, and his kingdom will never end. The angel went on to explain that her pregnancy would be caused by the Holy Spirit and reminded her that nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded by offering herself to God as his willing servant in spite of the mystery of it all. When she told her fiancé, Joseph, it must have come like a kick in the stomach. He had been looking forward to marrying this fine 
young maiden, and now she was pregnant before marriage. She would be shamed. She could be stoned. What should he do? He wanted to spare her public disgrace, so he decided to divorce her. But an angel came to him in a dream and told him not to be afraid. Remember, don't be afraid. He explained that Mary's baby came from the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and he is named the son Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. I want to take time out to think about what does that mean? You may ask, who needs to be saved? Saved from what? Go with me to a kindergarten classroom near here and observe Mrs. Jones' class. Class, time to get, up, get in line. We're going to the library. So they all line up because they know the procedure. Except for Phil. Phil's in the back of the room. He's in his own little world. Then he look. He notices he's the only one in the room, so he flies on out into the library. He only knocks a couple books off the shelf as he goes in and out between the bookcases, and he finally comes crashing down behind the semicircle of kids, clipping Judy in the head with one of his wings. And then he seems to be taking up the role of a worm, sort of squirming around on the floor. Well, when it's time to leave, Miss Jones uh, says to the class, okay, line up. We're going back to the classroom. And oh, Janet, would you wake up Phil, please, and bring him to the class? That's me. I'm Phil. I have that same problem. I haven't murdered anybody. I'm not evil the way the world would define evil. I haven't abused anybody. I didn't steal anything. I'm not on drugs. I don't sell them. But I tend to ignore my teacher. I tend to not respect him. I do what I feel like when I feel like doing it. I do it my way. I pursue mainly my interests. No one's going to control my destiny. I am Phil. And I think you are too. Now you may say, what right do I have to say that you're like that. Well, do you remember Jesus said, only God is good. Only God is good. I may try to be good, but I'm not very successful. It's mainly pride, doing it my way, 
not admitting I need help. I too often fall into selfishness, a sharp tongue, anger, fear, pride, anxiety, worry, lust. I may hold grudges. I too often ignore our Creator and the laws of life that He has revealed to us. So why can I say to you, I don't think you're good. <laughs> I'm not good. Isaiah said, we're all like sheep that have gone astray, everyone to his own way. Romans 3 tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in 1 John we read, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what? Well, in Romans 6, we read that the wages, the results of sin, is death. Separation from God. God is good. I think everybody would agree with that. God is good. And heaven is all good. But unless we are seen as good by God... We can't go to heaven. We can't be in heaven because we're not good. Without God in this world, we are adrift on a turbulent sea, being tossed this way and that with no good destination in sight. We need someone to throw us a life preserver. Paul said in Romans 7, Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me? And then he gives the answer, Thanks be to God, I will be rescued through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the same answer blasted out by the angels to the shepherds. We bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. The baby Jesus arrived here because God so loved the world that he sent his only son to be our savior at just the right time while we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly, for us. And we know very rarely would a man die even for a righteous man. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Joseph, did you know that those hands that you trained to be a skilled carpenter would have nails driven through them. Joseph, did you know that those nails would hold your son to a cross so that he could take your place and pay the penalty for your sins? So what about you? Are you being tossed on a turbulent sea because of your refusing 
to yield to the plan God has prepared for you? Or are you floating on a very calm pond? Bored with the meaningless or unclear goals of life. Jesus wants to make your life meaningful and exciting. And he wants to make you good enough to go to heaven. Have you called out to him? He's the only Savior. There is none other. If you're ready to call out to him, confess your shortcomings. Confess your need for him to cleanse you from all your sins. Trust that he died in your place for your sins so that you could be washed clean by the blood of his sacrifice. And ask the risen Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is by grace you are saved. The undeserved love of God, that's what saves you. Through faith, it's the gift from God, not by works. So none of us can boast if we say we're saved. We can't boast. We can only boast in Jesus Christ. So Jesus, son of Joseph, is the Savior. To be saved means first to be set free from the guilt, the power, and the punishment for sin. And it's to be given possession of the greatest good, true happiness, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Freedom, joy, prayers answered, a serving spirit, and the assurance that you are in the arms of Jesus. Now Joseph knew he would be stepdad to Jesus, the Savior. Hearing the message from the angel Joe, to Joe, I was struck last week as I heard this, as I heard the shepherd say to Joe, fear not. And I thought, boy, if I was Joe, that would be hard. I mean, Joe is just about to get married. That's a little scary, right, Nick? Sorry to wake you. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, getting married, it's a little scary. And then to be a father immediately, before he even knew his wife. And then living in a small village, married to a pregnant woman. What will her parents do? What will my parents do? What will the village people do? What were the next nine months going to look like? In light of all these concerns, what do you think Joseph's Christmas list would look like? You have a Christmas list? Maybe this will help to answer that question. I was able to get my hands on Joseph's prayer journal. Now, before somebody in the back yells, fake news, 
Uh, let me, let's, let's, uh, let's call this uh, creative imagination, okay? So this is Joseph's prayer journal. April 2nd. I praise you, thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the earth. You are most holy and all-knowing. But are you... Are you sure about the timing on this? Surely you know that Caesar has ordered that each of us must report to our ancestral city to be counted. And surely you know that in nine months, when we are due to be in Bethlehem, we will have to be traveling with an infant, or Mary who will be near delivery time. God, is there some way we could get out of this? It's about a 90-mile trip. That's five to seven days or longer through mountains, across rivers, desert, and wilderness. And Lord, along the way, we could meet bandits, lions, or bear. This is going to be tough, Lord. And is there going to be any place to stay when we get there? And just going up from Bethlehem to, I mean, from Jericho to Bethlehem, that's a 3,500-foot 3, rise. Have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Save us, Lord. July 5th. Almighty Father, I thank and praise you for all your blessings, God of all history. On second thought, maybe it's good for us to go to Bethlehem. We are having some pretty mean talk around Nazareth as Mary begins to show. It's very hard to explain. Mary's holding up well, but I think it's hard for her. July 20. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, I praise you and thank you for giving Mary to me to be my wife. But I worry, Lord. The trip ahead of us is going to be difficult. Could you, would you provide a donkey for us, for Mary? And it could help me transport some of my carpentry tools. I'm going to take them in case we need to be away for a while. October 12th, God, our shield and protector, strong tower, savior and shield, I love Mary, and I know you love her. Father, I ask you to keep us safe on this long journey ahead. You know of the ruthless bandits who could be laying in wait for us along the route. Protect us, Lord, that we may fulfill your purpose for us and our child. <clears throat> December 2nd. God of all creation, holy and majestic is your name. God, housing is on my heart today. I hear Bethlehem will be very crowded. Where are we going to stay? The baby will be coming soon. For Mary and the baby, we need a nice, clean place warm with water, private, 
quiet near a neonatal ICU unit if possible. (laughs) God, go before us. Prepare a place for us. December 24. God our Savior, King of Kings, this isn't what I pictured, Lord. Not what I hoped for. But we got here safely. It is sort of quiet, sort of private. It looks like Jesus will be here soon. Keep us safe, Lord. Thank you. And so we're at December 24th. It happened in a moment. In that moment, God became man. While the residents and visitors to Bethlehem were unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and brought her most precious one out of the womb of a teenager. The all-powerful, in one instance, made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe came from an embryo. God was a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. The one who sustains the world with a word is now dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God was given eyebrows and elbows. God had arrived as a human. He came as one of those first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused, and dirty. Were it not for the shepherds, there wouldn't have been any reception. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. The universe watched with wonder as the baby baby opened his eyes and smiled. In becoming a man, God made it possible for man to see God. As you remember, the shepherds were the first of us to hear of the miracle of Christmas. The angel appeared to them as they watched their flocks and shouted, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And he told them they will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. We know they found the manger. And when they gazed into it, they saw the Alpha and Omega, Emmanuel, the light of the world, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one who would live to be the suffering servant, our Savior. Here was a God not made of wood and silver and gold, but made of human flesh, able to listen, love, and save. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lived in bodily form. And so the gift was given, the gift that lights our way, that satisfies our hunger and thirst,
that strengthens and comforts us, that saves and gives eternal life. Ask yourself, have you received him? Do you belong to him? Joe, did you know when you committed to obeying the angel that you were helping to bring to pass a turning point in history? the launching of a new phase in God's plan of salvation. Joe, did you know that God had empowered you to be Mary's protector and provider for her physical needs? Joe, did you know you were picked by God to defend Mary's honor over against all the malicious slander and to be the father that our Savior needed? Joe, did you know that in 2018... Our Christmas desires often look much different than yours were back then. Here's a Christmas list. Shopping done. Clean the house. FedEx gifts arrive. Gifts are wrapped. Tree decorated. Stockings hung by the chimney with care. Lights are up on the gutters. Cookies are baked. Turk is in the oven, table set for 15, family should arrive at 4, chestnuts are roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost is nipping at our nose when we go out to get the mail, singing carols at the hospital, Uh, I couldn't get to do that, Uh, cookies for the homeless shelter, Uh, I ran out of time. Or maybe your Christmas experience is more like this. My house looks more like the stable where Jesus was born. (laughs) Stuff all over the place left by the monkeys who sleep here. (laughs) FedEx didn't drop off anything for me. I couldn't afford to buy anything for anybody else. I burnt the cookies. Didn't have money for a flight to see my mom. My son called. He had to work. So nobody's coming over. Everyone's too busy. Just as well, we were just going to have leftover turkey from Thanksgiving. No silver bells ringing here, but I can hear sirens in the distance. This is a nightmare of a Christmas storm. I'm not driving anywhere. I sure miss Jack. This is the third Christmas without him. Corey Tenbroom shares this experience from 1944. Corey and her father ran a watchmaker's store, shop, in Holland during World War II. And they built a room in their house which was hidden so that when the Nazis were pursuing the Jews, they could take Jews, I think as many as six at a time, and hide them in that room and try to save the Jews from the Nazis. But because of this, Corey and Betsy, her sister, and her father were all sent to concentration camps. By Christmas 1944, Betsy had died. 
And Corey says, I was in a hospital barracks in Ravensbrook. Dark was in my heart and darkness all around me. There were Christmas trees in the street between the barracks. Why, I don't know. They were the saddest Christmas trees I ever saw. I'm sure it was with the purpose of blaspheming that they had thrown dead bodies of prisoners under the Christmas trees. I tried to talk to people about Christmas, but they mocked, ridiculed, and sneered at whatever I said. At last, I just was quiet. It was in the middle of the night that suddenly I heard a child crying and calling, Mommy, come to Oli. Oli feels so lonely. I went to her and saw a child not so young, but feeble-minded. Oli, Mommy cannot come, but do you know who is willing to come to you? That is Jesus. The girl was lying on a bed next to the window, not far from mine. Although Oli was completely emaciated from lack of food, she had a sweet face, beautiful eyes, and wavy hair. It was so touching to hear her call for her mother. Oli had been operated on, and the incision on her back was covered by a thin bandage of toilet paper. That night, I told this poor child about Jesus. He came into the world as a little baby, how he came to save us from our sins. The Lord Jesus loves Oli and has borne her punishment on the cross. Now Oli may go to heaven, and Jesus is there right now. He's getting a little house ready for Oli. Later, I asked her, what she remembered of what I told her. What is the little house like, I asked. It's very beautiful, she said. There are no wicked people, as in Ravensbrook. Only good people and angels. And Oli will see Jesus there. And she added, I will ask Jesus to make me brave when I have pain. I will think of the pain that Jesus suffered to show Oli the way to heaven. And then Oli folded her hands. Together we gave thanks. Then I knew why I had to spend this Christmas in Ravensbrook in 1944. Why are you here? this Christmas in 2018? Is there someone you know who needs to be reminded that Jesus came for them, that Jesus loves them, and that you love them? You know, these cookies, they're a little bit too brown, but you know, I know Jack didn't make any cookies, and I, I can see his children. They didn't show up. I think maybe he'd like some. So I'll go over and see Jack. Merry Christmas.